Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Degenerates Drinking Coffee. I'm your host, Nick Genter, presenting to you a special here on the podcast titled Lost Together, A Nation Divided. Uh, some of you may have noticed I didn't post an episode this past Sunday, and, and and that's because I couldn't decide whether or not it was appropriate to stream my usual content uh, following the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. A lot of people messaged me saying it, it wasn't my place to report the events, give my opinion, or suggest a course of action for our citizens and leaders to take as we move forward. Uh, However, someone did remind me that besides drinking coffee and liquor, I also report current events and bring specific events to the attention of my listeners. Sometimes those events may be controversial, and they're not always funny. And that's the key thing. They're not always funny. But that doesn't make them any less relevant or worth reporting. So I understand the topic of discussion this week is an incredibly sensitive topic. But allow me to say this. As a social media personality who's been granted freedom of speech by the Constitution of this country... I'm going to voice my thoughts. As a former soldier who has deployed to combat zones to defend that very right, I'm going to practice it. And as a human who's just so fucking sick, I've seen brothers and sisters of all uh, races, religions, and genders torn by issues that should have never arose or been resolved decades ago. My opinion will be heard. That's why this week I'm choosing to take a step away from my usual content and report something serious with no comedic relief or witty jokes. Uh, With that being said, I will not be offended. If you decide to stop listening at this point in the episode and just wait until next week, you know, when I'll, I'll return to reporting our regularly scheduled content. Uh, I will, however, go ahead and, and review the coffee and liquor this week, but I will not be drunk during the recording of this episode, which if you did not know, I am for literally every episode you've listened to so far. So without further ado, let's, ju- let's just go ahead and check out this coffee. So what we've got today is Stumptown Coffee Roasters 100 Mile Blend, which is not a single origin, but it's organic, and the company claims to be a major proponent of direct trade. So Stumptown's director of quality states that no region we buy from is the same as another, and it's it's important to approach each as a unique relationship so that we can understand the challenges that a person or entity faces, whether it's a single producer, association, mill, or exporter. With our purchases, we hope to offer stability so that our par- partners can focus on quality. So the bag we have today is a dark roast that stresses notes of jam and toffee. The company says that if we made such a thing as trucker coffee, this would be it, a big breakfast blend. 100 Mile is robust enough to drink black and stands up well with milk. It's sweet and hearty and will get you there hell or high water. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and give this cup of joe a taste. Well, interesting. So yeah, the toffee's there and the jam is faintly present. Uh, I may have added less water than was needed for my bean ratio, but it is a very dark coffee. I I don't hate it, but I'm not exactly the biggest fan of it. Dark coffee drinkers, I would recommend this one for you, but I I am a a bigger fan of the light and medium roast, so I will likely not purchase this specific blend again. All right, so next, the liquor. So I went ahead and sampled this yesterday, but we are back on vodka this week. Uh, I'm glad to introduce infused spirits, cinnamon apple vodka, this, uh, let's see, double gold and best in show flavored vodka 2014 at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Christopher Knoll from Drink Hacker had this to say. It is a whiskey brown spirit with numerous apple slices floating at the bottom and top of the bottle. The nose is pure apple with touches of cinnamon, just like grandma used to bake. Smooth as silk on the body. Vodka is really only evident in the finish as the sweet dessert-like character of the product takes center stage. A fun change of pace to be sure. It is an A-rated vodka. So 
Uh, I was a little intimidated trying this, but have to say it is, uh, it's, it's delicious and dangerous. Uh, you can literally drink it straight from the bottle and not even realize it's 40% alcohol. Uh, it, you can mix it with anything too, uh, maybe maybe fruit juice or flavored carbonated beverage. And by mixing it, it's nearly undetectable as uh, an alcoholic beverage. So there are circular apple slices in the bottom uh, and top of the bottle and, and a whole cinnamon stick. And I'm still trying to, uh, how to figure out to get those apples out of the bottle without having to break it. I imagine eating one of those will give you a nice little buzz. And, and I intend to find that out. So not a fan of the coffee this week, but the seal of approval absolutely goes to the exceptional vodka, which was a little more than $20 for a 750 milliliter bottle, which, you know, is absolutely worth purchasing. So before I move on, I would once again like to give those listeners who are expecting comedy this week a, a chance to exit the podcast. Uh, the same applies to those who believe their opinions are the only ones with credibility and, and cannot accept the fact that, you know, people have different beliefs. My intention is to report the facts, state points of view and, and introduce possible solutions. But, you know, I, I'm only human, which means I'm wrong pretty frequently. But, you know, matters of the mind and soul must be discussed. Otherwise, we as a species will become stagnant in our ability to develop and cease to overcome the trials we face over time. So with no further delay, what exactly happened? According to the Telegraph, George Floyd, a 46-year-old bouncer, was killed on Monday, May 25th, by Derek Chauvin, a police officer who pressed his knee into Mr. Floyd's neck until he died, while other police officers watched. Footage of the killing, taken by a bystander, showed Floyd lying face down in a handcuff, groaning for help and repeatedly saying, please, I can't breathe, before becoming motionless. Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds in total, and two minutes and 53 seconds after Floyd was unresponsive, according to, according to a criminal complaint released by the Hennepin County Attorney's Office. On June 1st, a medical examiner in Minnesota classified Mr. Floyd's death as a homicide. Mr. Chauvin is charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. Benjamin Crump, a lawyer for Floyd family, has now called for Minneapolis police officers to face the more serious charge of first-degree murder based on the new findings. Uh... So I've gone ahead and watched the video, and, and I'm in complete agreement that it was a murder. Officer Chauvin used a tactic that Bernie Cobb, a retired Shelby County Sheriff's Department captain, said was completely unnecessary. He was already restrained. He was already handcuffed. Using that particular procedure was not necessary, was unheard of, and should have been never used. Many of Cobb's 30 years of the force were spent in training. Fox 13 asked what he thought about the discovery about the restraint. Uh, technique used in the death of George Floyd and about how it was being allowed by the Minneapolis uh, Police Department's policy. Uh, he said, I was so surprised that I reached out to several of my buddies who have been in trained divisions who have even helped write policies, and they sent me their responses that it was unheard of. They were appalled that the policy even existed. According to the indictment against Officer Derek Chauvin, George Floyd was, a re was resisting arrest prior to being placed in the neck restraint. So the policy says that the tactic can be used against someone uh, resisting arrest. However, officers are trained to go from 0 to 100 and back down to 0 once the situation is calmed. Uh, so as we all saw in the video, George Floyd was held in that position for more than 8 minutes. So my opinion is this was a misuse of a tactic against someone who was already detained for a period of time that was not warranted. Clearly, this was a murder, whether the officer intended to commit it or not. And no one's disputing that either. Minneapolis mayor, the police department, other law enforcement agencies, the DA, the FBI, the public, and the president have all agreed that George Floyd was murdered. 
The majority of our country's population agree on that fact. Derek Chauvin's in custody, while the other three uh, ex-officers, President George Floyd's arrest, have been fired, not suspended, or put on administrative leave. At any point in time, the other officers present could, could and should have intervened, but chose not to. So do I have sympathy for them? Absolutely not. In that line of work, the decisions that need to be made are often in a split second and, and are a matter of life and death. However, taking over eight minutes to decide to, to intervene when a fellow officer uses excessive force on an already detained suspect is unexcusable. Another important point to review is the professional history of Derek Chauvin. According to CNN and before you saw, I researched facts from all news sources and they did get this right. Chauvin was the subject of 18 prior complaints filed against him with the Minneapolis Police Department's Internal Affairs Office. Chauvin received oral reprimands for using a demeaning tone, derogatory language, and other language that merited discipline. So what do I believe? Chauvin used inappropriate force that was not warranted and murdered uh, a man. His fellow officers are absolutely responsible for not stopping him, and they bear the same responsibility. These police and police like them should be tried for, for murder and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. However, and believe me, I'm all about protecting our individual rights and not surrendering to a police state or a tyrannical government, but not all cops are bad. Unfortunately, and I saw this a lot, uh, in, my, in my time in the military, a few bad guys in uniform can destroy the image of an entire unit. It's true, and remember that just because someone wears a uniform doesn't automatically make them a good person. That's a hard pill to swallow, but I recommend swallowing it nonetheless. Of course, I also recognize this isn't the first instance of police brutality either. Uh, and we can't allow officers to commit crimes and, and then be shielded by their badges. However, we can't generalize all cops as evil and demand their blood. What makes us any better than those who commit evil acts? And yes, even with my faltering sense of morality, I use the word evil because it applies to unjustified killings and the demand to er eradicate a group of people based on their occupation. So what, what came next is, is where many people pardon their beliefs. We all agree that George Floyd was murdered, but now racism is being pinned as the primary culprit for this event occurring. Not only that, we have, we've begun to overgeneralize the entire American population as racist, which is beyond me. Even if this officer committed this evil act, out of spite for the color of George Floyd's skin, the public has now decided that every cop is racist and that anyone who disagrees is racist. This is simply not the case, and while it's easy to point the finger at a specific group as an outlet for our frustration, it's caused a divide between people who are all in agreement that a man was murdered and there's a need for police reform. You know, I've, I've voiced my opinion on this, and I've, I've had friends and family delete me on social media, call me a racist, and condemn me for expressing an opinion that, you know, I have on the matter. But there's a narrative being created that the African-American community is under attack, being targeted specifically by the police, but it's simply not true. Depending on your geographical location, the demographic of the people living in that location, the rate of violent crime in that location determines how often police officers use lethal force against the suspect. You know, and of course, there's outliers, such as Derek Chauvin's murder of George Floyd. But overall, statistics show no proof of uh, this. Uh, Roland Fryer, a Harvard economics professor, found a study titled An Empirical Analysis of Racial Differences in Police Use of Force that conditional on police interaction, there is no racial difference in officer-instigated shootings on either the extensive or intensive margins. On the most extreme use of force, officer-involved shootings, we find no racial differences in either the raw data or when contextual factors are taken into account. 
Results remain qualitatively the same, controlling for all characteristics from incident reports. Black suspects are 24.2% less likely to be shot than non-black suspects. So once again, the media and our own politicians have stoked the rhetoric that to be an African-American in America is a death sentence. Uh, this simply isn't true, and it's driving a wedge between our society that's being based on the overgeneralization of entire races and occupations. Again, I'm merely presenting a study, my opinion of that study, and applying it to our current situation. As a student who reads research papers and works with statistical analysis regularly, I take these things into account before making an opinion on, on such matters. But regardless of whether you believe this or not, another very significant series of events are taking place all over the country. Peaceful protests have turned into lootings, violence, and clashes between opposition groups. Now, before you decide that I'm against protesting, I will flat out say that I'm a huge proponent of American citizens being able to practice their constitutional rights and believe that it's our responsibility to protest when we see fit, bear arms, assemble in large numbers to prevent the overreach of tyrannical governments and live on the principles established by our founding fathers in regards to the ideology that free people should be able to live in a democracy governed by the people. However, when the protests turn into criminal activities such as looting, assault, murder, and destruction of private businesses that have nothing to do with the killing of George Floyd, that's where I draw the line. In cities across the country, including my own, legitimate protests organized by concerned citizens who want to see immediate police reform and swift action taken against police brutality have turned into violent assemblies of theft, destruction, and murder. Business owners who have tried to prevent their operations from being looted or destroyed have been met with assault or killed by angry mobs. Places that have nothing to do with the death of George Floyd are being targeted by looters, having their content stolen or simply just being burned to the ground. Madison Mavity, 24, pled with a group uh, who were smashing the exterior of the Rochester Fire Equipment Company in Rochester, New York. Uh, the number of gang members then started attacking her, at first hitting and kicking her, then using two-by-fours to beat her. Toward the end of the disturbing footage, the woman's husband, Brett, is seen trying to break up the attack while swinging a golf club. The gang then turned on him. Truckers and drivers are being pulled out of their vehicles, some beaten while others simply try to remain protected by their locked doors, as rioters smash their windows, beat on their hoods, and try to pull open their handles. Once again, roads are being blocked, which is something that we have already seen before here in the United States. The result? Usually, someone gets ran over. In one case reported by the Transportation Nation Network, an African-American male suffered fatal wounds when he, along with multiple others, attempted to stop and loot a semi-truck pulling FedEx ground double trailers. A Facebook Live video was streamed around 3 a.m. local time showing a group of looters pulling packages from the front FedEx trailer and tossing them on the ground to the other standing nearby. The video turned graphic as one looter became caught in the trailer as the stopped semi pulled away. The man was dragged approximately five blocks to his death witnesses claim. Finally, a retired St. Louis police captain was shot and killed outside of a looted North City pawn shop, and now a $10,000 reward is being offered for any information. Around 2.30 a.m. Tuesday, police found 77-year-old David Dorn shot dead outside of Lee's Pawn and Jewelry Shop in the 4100 block of Martin Luther King Drive. Dorn would help out the owners uh, at least pawn shop and jewelry uh, due to his extensive background in police work. When the business's alarms went off, Dorn would go and check it out. And, and that's what he did Tuesday morning before he was shot and killed. The video was then live streamed on Facebook as he died and pleaded for help. Now, what do all these events have in common? Something truly despicable was occurring, but not a single person attempted to prevent it. Instead, we, and I say we because we're all responsible, if we, we sit back, lift our phones up, and press record. 
as if that actually solves anything. George Floyd died because no one stopped the evil actions of someone with authority. Innocent people and businesses are being harmed because it's more fun to participate or record the events transpire instead of bravely condemn the actions of those who harm their fellow men. Police are being killed because it's easier for us to blame a single entity rather than correct the flaws of the human condition. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that change isn't necessary. I'm not even saying that we shouldn't be protesting right now. I'm saying that right now we aren't solving anything. We can kill and burn and destroy, but misdirected action accomplishes nothing. We're burning down our own home in an attempt to rebuild a better one. And some of you may believe that's what needs to be done. I think the time will come when we as a society will look back at the smoldering ashes of our cities and realize that we inflicted blow after blow against ourselves rather than come together and develop a practical solution for the problems our society faces. In closing, I'd like to share a bit of an essay uh, that I wrote titled How You Ended the World, which was initially a response to the public reaction of COVID-19, but I think some parts of this apply to this moment as well. It is during times of crisis that humanity begins to tear away the shroud that covers our true identities, revealing the foundation of our individual character. Collectively, the masks we wear during times of comfort display a kinder, gentler demeanor that indicate we care about the well-being of our fellow man. However, when our survival is threatened, mankind reverts to its primal instincts, abandoning the constraints of morality and instead is driven by fear, violence, and greed. The outbreak of COVID-19 has threatened the lives of millions, testing the world not only in our ability to combat a pandemic, but the ethical composition of humankind. It's comforting to believe that we at our core have an innate desire to do good, but as the world combats coronavirus, it's apparent that our moral compasses have been imaginary, guiding us towards unachievable decency. In the face of an invisible enemy, we have shirked the responsibility of caring for one another. Fear has driven us to hoard good, selfishly denying the comfort and survival of the same people you claim to love and care for in times of plenty. We react with violence over trivial luxuries, choosing to fight rather than take flight, ascending to the great heights of enlightenment that we claim to possess in matters of spirituality. G. Michael Hoff is credited with stating that good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. I ask those of you reading this to consider that statement. We have lived in comfort for so long that we have begun to truly believe that we are invincible, protected by the impenetrable armor of our moral resolve. The reality of our situation is this. We're weak and victims of our own actions. Those infected with the virus fighting for the lives are not who I reference in that statement. Those women, men, and children are victims of something beyond their own control. I also continue to say we because I include myself among the weak. I've chosen to believe my own self-righteousness, but my actions conflict with that belief because at my core, I can be selfish and disregard the welfare of those around me. We're human, and that is the flaw that has invented sin itself, causing our existence to be a vicious cycle of transgressions during times of plenty and strife alike. We will believe the truths we want to hear justifying our actions is for the greater good, even when the only beneficiary is ourselves. The world will not end with a shout or a whisper but with the echoes of our heavy footsteps walking steadfast towards our own self-destruction. Well, listeners, that's all I have this week. I hope you try to understand me as I try to understand those who believe in something else. I'll catch you next time on Degenerate Drinking Coffee and in this episode with a moment of silence for George Floyd and all those who suffer due to the consequences of his death. <laughs>